And uh, as you're seating, we're going to dismiss our kids, K to grade 6. They can head to the back doors where Brenda is heading out now. Good morning. Happy anniversary. Uh, many, many things in Maryland's and my hearts as we worship alongside you this morning. And I'll leave all of them unsaid except to say, it feels like home. And, and home is precious. Now, I know what you're thinking. Yes, I look older and grayer than the last time that most of you saw me. But guess what? <laughs> I'm not sure that any one of you has stopped the hands of time yourself. That's just kind of the way that it works. Marilyn continues to fulfill her calling, serving special needs children as an educational assistant. She did that for 25 years in the public school system. But she's finishing out these last number of years at White Rock Christian Academy, which is about a 10-minute walk from our front door. So she's enjoying that greatly, some days more than others. Um, when I stepped away from the district office, and by the way, Mark is a fantastic district superintendent. Uh, I had the privilege of being invited to join a team of leaders called Fullwell Leadership. And all of my life, I served local churches, and now I get to serve Christian charities across Canada. And me and a team of others get to lift and bless and encourage and consult and, and uh, help groups of people who have a sense of mission and calling from Jesus to minister to certain needs in Canada and around the world. And we come alongside them in various capacities, and it's really, really, really fun. When I candidated here in 2005, our two children, Chris and Shauna, were single and childless. There's a photo coming up here behind me. So things have changed a little bit. Uh, on the right, uh, excuse me, on the left, you'll see Shauna and Curtis, and their three triplets. The triplets are 12 years old this year. And on the right-hand side, you'll see our son and uh, his wife, uh, Chris and Lindsay, and they have three. Uh, the triplets and Sean and Curtis are in Parksville on the island, and Chris and Lindsay and their three are in the Langley neighborhood in a um, uh, uh, Murrayville neighborhood in Langley. I'm ahead of myself and already thinking about this beautiful passage of scripture that we're going to focus on this morning. So it's going to come up behind me, and I'm going to read it to you. Now, it's a little long for the setting. It's 19 verses. But after all, you're seven oaks. <laughs> so this is a rich passage. Lean in, please focus, and absorb just as much as you can of this fabulous passage. Friends, the word of the Lord. When you have entered the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it, 
Take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God is giving you and put them in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name and say to the priest in office at the time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. The priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God, my father, Abraham, was a wandering Aramean, and he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, subjecting us to harsh labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and with great terror and with signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. Then you and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. When you have finished setting aside a tenth of all your produce in the third year, the year of the tithe, you shall give it to the Levite, the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat in your towns and be satisfied. Then say to the Lord your God, I have removed from my house the sacred portion and have given it to the Levite, the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow according to all you commanded. I have not turned aside from your commands, nor have I forgotten any of them. I have not eaten any of the sacred portion while I was in mourning, nor have I removed any of it while I was unclean, nor have I offered any of it to the dead." I have obeyed the Lord my God. I have done everything you commanded me. Look down from heaven, your holy dwelling place, and bless your people Israel and the land you have given us as you promised on oath to our ancestors, a land flowing with milk and honey. The Lord your God commands you this day to follow these decrees and laws. Carefully observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. You have declared this day that the Lord is your God and that you will walk in obedience to him, that you will keep his decrees, commands, and laws, that you will listen to him. And the Lord has declared this day that you are his people, his treasured possession as he promised, and that you are to keep all his commands. He has declared that he will set you in praise, fame, and honor high above all the nations he has made, and that you will be a people holy to the Lord your God, as he promised. The word of the Lord. The Old Testament book of Deuteronomy is a pause point in the story of Israel, and as soon as I say the word Israel. You're thinking of what's happening. Let's pray. In the midst of this celebration, we pause. 
believing that you direct our hearts and our minds to intercede on behalf of all who are affected by the calamity, the anarchy, the evil, the destruction, the death of men and women and children in Israel and the Gaza Strip, where there is hatred, oh Lord Jesus, would you displace these spirits who wish to fan ancient hatreds that result in destruction and death and massacre, would you pour out the spirit of peace? We sang a few moments ago that you are above it all and you are simultaneously sovereign and at the same time at the cross, you are at the heart of all violence. You were there. You were a refugee from Herod as an infant. You were victimized unjustly before Pilate. You experienced physical torture on the cross. You experienced the isolation and sense of aloneness as you died for our sin. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Lord, you know, you know, you know. So we cry for mercy. We cry for a pathway to peace. We cry for resolution to this ancient hostility. And we pray that you have your way with this planet that is in such turmoil. And God's people all agreed together and said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining me in doing that. I just felt like we had to acknowledge. Deuteronomy 26, part of this book, long pause point. The Exodus, the narrative of coming out of Egypt, the book of Numbers with all of the stories of wilderness wanderings. And in the whole book of Deuteronomy, we don't go anywhere. It's a book length pause point where the Lord presses the pause button and the people are on the threshold of entering the promised land, the east side of the Jordan, opposite Jericho. And the Lord opens his heart And he reminds the people of their identity in him and their calling and his promises and his oaths and lays a pathway forward for them spiritually and and ethically and relationally for them as he repeats the law and expands on the law through the book of Deuteronomy. It's a pause point, the whole book. Pause points, moments of pause in the midst of all of the movement. Pauses are important. Pauses can be strategic. An anniversary is a pause point. And so the big idea for this brief message today is that anniversaries are pause points for remembrance, gratitude, and reorientation. This morning I bring you just very, uh, three very brief reminders from this lovely passage. And the first is, Seven Oaks Church family, that like Israel, you have an identity in the Lord. 
This passage in this book, in this Old Testament, all of which looks forward to and is completed in the person and work of the Lord Jesus, this passage is rich with references to Israel's identity. A holy people unto the Lord, a treasured possession, a people uniquely belonging to God, a people who are the recipients of a promise of covenantal relationship and faithfulness, a people who are descended from Abraham, witnessing the faithfulness of God across the generations, a people who are the recipients of a promise about land, a place, a space to be the people of God together and to enjoy him together. A place, a, 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 a people in whom and with whom and through whom the Lord will work. There's identity language all through this passage. And I want to suggest to you that there's very few things in life that are actually more crucial than how you finish the sentence, I am dot, dot, dot. We are dot, dot, dot. If you are in Christ Jesus, Holy Scripture itself tells you who you are. What is it like to go through life with the privilege of knowing to the deepest part of who you are, knowing and deeply believing, I am the much-loved daughter or son of my Father in heaven. I am the recipient of his eternal affection in Christ Jesus. I am created in the likeness and image of the living God. I am his workmanship created in Christ Jesus alongside a lifetime worth of good works that he has prepared in advance for me to do. I am one who is inhabited by the precious third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. I am one who is destined to reign with Christ, to see Jesus, my with resurrection eyes and live and love and serve him into eons into the future in a recreated heaven. That's who you are. That's who I am. This is identity. This must be owned. This must be embraced. False identities must be renounced and rejected. And you just think about the product of a life who believes that about themselves versus the one who says, I, I am I'm the product of millions of years of natural selection and evolutionary processes. And I'm not denying the reality of evolutionary processes, just not in any kind of ultimate way that makes no room for the living God. And consequently, I'm alone in the universe, there is no transcendent foundation for ethics. There's nothing to tell me what to do apart from societal law, criminal law, what I want to do and what I can get away with. 
And there is nothing essentially inherent in the meaning of what I do. I have no more essential worth or value than any other living organism from the trees to the flu virus. We're, we're, just, we're just somewhere on the spectrum of living organic material. And when I die, I die, and my body deteriorates and decomposes, and I get to feed the turf. There is a difference in those two people and how they will live their lives. Identity drives decisions, drives choices. So Seven Oaks, like Old Testament Israel, you have been an inhabited people from the beginning, every time you gather the third person of the Trinity, the Spirit of Jesus, who makes Jesus real to all of us, has been present. You are one of the candlesticks of Revelation 2 and 3, among whom Jesus walks, one of his churches, one of his living flesh and blood in, planted in history groups of believers who honor and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. You are a called people. You are an equipped people. You are invited to work alongside the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in his work in the world until the day is over and night comes as in the end of the age. And then there's more to look forward to in the next stage. Like Israel, you have an identity in the Lord. Secondly, like Israel, you have a past with the Lord. So in this passage, God is instructing the people on how to respond to his goodness and his provision that they will experience after they conquer the land, inhabit it, and they, they sow their seed, and they turn the flocks and the herds loose for, for grazing. And there's instructions here about bringing the first fruits and bringing the, the tithe of what the land is producing. And God actually gives them a speech. You know, the individual Israelite worshiper is given words to say when they bring the basket of first fruits to the place of worship, and there they're before the priest. And God says, So when you get there, say this. And the speech that God gives his people to say back to him rehearses the past. My father, my first father, they say, was a wandering Aramean. And he went into Egypt to 70 or 72 people, and he came out with a couple of million after the Israelites, uh, the Egyptians began to oppress us and terrorize us and exploit us, and we had no freedom to be who we were as the people of God. And the Lord brought us out with signs and with wonders, and he has lived with us faithfully despite our disobedience, and now he's brought us into the land. And it's all about this recounting of the faithfulness of God in the past, promises that have been kept, blessing bestowed, prayers that have been answered, provision that they're concretely now bringing to the Lord in the place of worship. Remembrance. Remembrance that triggers gratitude. 
What do you remember about this 75-year journey? This past that you have with the Lord. I remember, Linda. I hope I can get through this. I remember the day you and your John came to my office. And by the way, all of us who knew him loved him. And we miss him to this day. And I remember you and John in a season of discernment. Lord, what would you have us do? Where should we plug in? And by the time that conversation was over, Jesus had given leadership to you too. And a ministry that became known as ARM, Addiction Recovery Ministry, was planted that day. Sometimes I wonder how many table settings there will be at the marriage supper of the Lamb for people who are influenced in the direction of our Lord Jesus through arm across these last years. Thank the Lord. Yep. Henry, I remember when you came back from that exploratory trip, Henry Braun, one of our elders at the time, to Cuba on your hotel balcony. And you said, the Lord gave me an image and a vision of Cuba aflame with the progress of the gospel. And that was the beginning of a six or seven year partnership with our brothers and sisters in the churches in Cuba. And I wonder how many table settings there will be. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Because we were able to come alongside those churches and them along us alongside us, mutually enriching. And you can tell stories. Every pastor can tell stories. Every, every staff pastor has been on this. Every, many elders, many of you, many ministry leaders, you can tell the stories. You, we, we have a past with the Lord. Bless his name. And of course, and in parallel with your theme, thirdly, like Israel, you have a future through the Lord. Through the Lord. This whole text is future focused. They haven't gone into the land yet. When you get there, when the crops start producing, when the Lord shows you where he wants you to gather for worship, then, then, then. And the text ends with these beautiful verses that are so future-focused. The Lord has declared this day that you are his people, his treasured possession, as he promised. You are to keep all his commands. He has declared that he will set you in praise, fame, and honor high above all the nations he has made, and that you will be a people holy to the Lord your God, as he promised. Friends, I had the most beautiful anticipatory image of where all of this following of Jesus is leading. Just last month, in rural Ontario, outside of Bowmanville, I had my Fowell leadership hat on, 
I was there to meet and present with a group of about 40 team members of a, re- a Christian relief and development arm of a Canadian evangelical denomination. So 40 people, their global staff, their global team, about half of them based in the Toronto area, about half of them all over the world in the countries that they were working. And they had invited me that day for Culture Day. This team was highly diverse, ethnically, skin color, geographically, in terms of their home countries, and now they're all together at headquarters for some fine-tuning and some celebration and some worship and things like that. And I show up at 9 in the morning, and before I'm up, we're going to do the group picture. And because it's culture day, they've asked these dear folks whose countries of origin are all around the world to dress in national costume that day. So the women from Southeast Asia in these spun silk gowns, absolutely spectacular. The men and women from the African countries with tribal colors and insignia in their garb. Those from Latin America in authentic costume. Four Canadians with hockey jerseys. (laughs) At least two of whom were holding up Tim Horton's coffee cups. Let's go outside and take a photograph. And out we all troop. Now it's rained overnight. It's, it's fields everywhere except for this medium-sized church in the countryside. The sun is at 9.30 a.m. early September. So it's coming in like this. The group for the photograph over here. Every skin color, every ethnicity, well, not every, you get the point, a whole continuum. And the moisture in the leaves is reflecting in the sun. And the, the grass is wet with dew and rain, and it's glittering like diamonds. And the light is surreal. It's unusual. It's, it's a spectacular moment. And, and it, the light made faces glow. It was a beautiful picture. They didn't send me a copy or, you know, I just save the words and show you the... But it wouldn't be the same. And the Bible verse that was on the screen before we trooped out for the picture was Revelation 7-9. And after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, and people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. You will have a future through God. Work to be done alongside the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in His work in the world. And then one day, we gather there.
And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.